0: Hey guys, so I'm back with a brand new episode of the SBR podcast and this week we're on episode 101 with the phenomenal Galen Dorsey and if you can hear any birds cheeping in the background it's because I'm stood in my garden I'm not in an aviary or anything weird like that. Anyway today's episode is absolutely killer. Gail has played with the likes of obviously David Bowie but she's also played with Gwen Stefani, Boy George Jonathan Brooke, Tears for Fears In Excess and she's now on tour with Lenny Kravitz as well and we're going to be talking about her career, how she got into the bass how she became one of the busiest session players in the world and how she ended up you know, playing with David Bowie and, um, and the rehearsal or rehearsal procedures that they used to go through and how she rehearses with Lenny Kravitz and everything in between and the cool thing is guys if you are an SBL Academy member, if you are a member of the membership over on scottsbasetons.com We have recorded an amazing video as well over in New York with Gail, so make sure you check that out. If you're not already a member yet, go grab your 14-day free trial. You can do that, obviously, at scottspacelessons.com. And from now on in, I am actually going to be back as the host of the SBO podcast. We've got some killing guests coming, and we've done some really amazing videos as well. It's going to be a ton of fun. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's podcast with the amazing Gail Ann Dorsey. (laughs) Guys, we are here with the legendary, you are legendary Gail Ann Dorsey here in New York. She's been cool enough to uh, come along and bring your awesome bass as well, which I'll be asking you all about. It's steeped in history. I've seen Indeed. you play it a ton of times mm-hmm. as I've been internet stalking you, because that's what I do. <laughs> and, uh, but obviously, you know, you played with a slew of artists. Mm-hmm. Is that even a word, slew?
1: Yes, I believe so. I'm
0: just checking, right? <laughs> so a slew of artists, but how did you actually get into this racket in the first place? Woo.
1: Well, I'm one of those people that was uh, played something else and, and picked up the bass so that I could work. <laughs> 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 I've heard that story many times. Now, when I was a teenager in the 70s and, and I was playing, I was a guitar player. I yeah. love guitar. Guitar is my favorite instrument. Do you still play? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very much so. And uh, I um, was trying to get work. I was 14 and I was trying to get work in the summer that wasn't McDonald's or Flipping Burgers or whatever, and and I I I went to the local music store. Yeah. They used to have little three by five cards on the board in the local music stores when there were local mu- music stores in Philadelphia, where yeah. I grew up. And they, people would write on the card what they need guitar player, oh, guitar drummer. Player, you know, wanted, so you'd drum look, yeah, 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 I want it. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I noticed that every, I would say 90% of that board said, guitar player seeks either a drummer. <laughs> or a bass player, yeah, yeah. and sometimes a keyboard player, but mostly a bass player. Yeah. And so I just thought, I'm going to have to play the bass, because yeah. everybody's a guitar player, and yeah. they, they're they looking for other people to play for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So typical of guitar players. So anyway, <laughs> so I decided <laughs> to play the, I, I, I saw a phone number that looked like it was in my neighborhood, because I'm yeah. a kid, I'm 14, you know, yeah. so I can't, yeah. I, I don't want to be going to some, Strange places on my own, and i I called this number, and it was for top forty works in the summer, playing you know birthday parties yeah, and whatnot yeah, yeah. weddings and and it said Rolling Stones, Bowie, Queen, like all the bands that I liked at yeah, the time yeah. so I took that number and i, I my sis, my older sister's girlfriend had a boyfriend who played the bass, and he had a, a Rickenbacker i 'll never forget uh, like a, a yeah, burgundy yeah. one and i <clears throat> I went and um, I asked her, "Could I borrow her boyfriend's bass <laughs> and go to the audition?" Because I didn't, so you have, didn't a even have a bass. I didn't it's have a like, bass. Yeah, my yeah. mother said to me, "If you get the job, I'll buy you a bass." We yeah. didn't have a lot of money yeah. or anything, so I already had my guitar, and uh, so I said, "Okay." And I borrowed this bass and I went to the audition and I got the job.
0: Amazing.
1: And then my mother bought me an Epiphone bass, which I think on on my Facebook page there's a photo of me with my '70s Afro and this. Old Epiphone bass, which I don't own anymore. I gave it away when I went to college because I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking that far about ahead about the future. So, and I thought, oh, I'm going to just go back to playing guitar anyway. But I didn't.
0: Was it was it just a stopgap? Yeah, you just like
1: it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and and um, you know, and I didn't even take it that seriously. You know, I just thought, okay, I can do it. It seemed obviously I could do it. I got the job, and then I got a little better at it. Yeah. And then I got my own bass, but I was still really my head was in guitar and and filmmaking and just other stuff that I Were was. Were you interested always artistic? Yeah, yeah, I was. And was that from your Singing parents? Singing as well, more from my siblings, you know. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, my they don't they don't play. Well, my one of my brothers st- still plays. He's I'm the youngest of five kids, so I was the baby, and yeah. I was like the surprise baby too because I'm like seven years behind and then they get older and older. <laughs> um so the I, I was so, yes, I was. I was indeed, but you know, my mother w- did not regret it. <laughs> but uh yeah so my they just had brought all these great records into the house and one and one of my older brothers lo- played the congas oh, and he played like a little it, bit yeah. of bass a little yeah. bit and and I took clarinet in school yeah. which uh, you know I actually can read the music on the clarinet but I can't transfer that to the bass oh, yeah. it's so yeah, strange yeah, yeah, yeah. like cuz I, I just can't do the same yeah. but um so I, you know I just kind of learned by you know a lot of a lot of kids played music in the neighborhood. You know, there was a little kid across the street played drums. Two doors down, there was a kid yeah. on the beat. Like there was just a thriving musical. It was in yeah. And local growing up city, in Philly, yeah. and Philly had the Philly sound was at its peak at that yeah, point. Yeah. And you know, a friend of a friend knew Sister Sledge. And, you know, so there were all these different you know Philly. That that just music was just yeah. sort of part of my life since I can remember.
0: And when you when you got that gig as well, mm-hmm. did you start learning all the? Well, I suppose you had to learn the bass lines. Yeah, you had to play the I started gig. learning.
1: Right. Yeah, learning Rolling Stones and the. Uh, you know, this would have been 1976. So what was out then? It was was Ziggy Ziggy Stardust? Yeah. Uh, we used to play Rolling Stones. Uh, Give me shelter. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Probably some who things. Oh, I know. I remember doing, and then I started singing. I remember I had to sing um, Elvin Bishop, "Fool Around and Fell in yeah, yeah, Love." Yeah. That was that was like the top, one of the top forty <laughs> songs, and I used to sing and play that yeah. on the bass. I had a basement fifty amp.
0: Oh, wicked! My mom got amp and the me amp with the...
1: And the old Epiphone.
0: Which and did I don't you ever go back? to... Like, when did you? When did you decide? Oh, yeah, I actually like this bass thing. Or was it? Just, I, I didn't really think up,
1: ab- I didn't think about that until like years later when I moved to London, I was mm, 20, 19, 20. Why did you move
0: to London anyway in the
1: first to, to make music. To, I yeah. was trying to get a record deal. I was living in New York City before that. Yeah. And I had been writing some songs on my little four track. And so the bass at that point was just something I used when I was yeah. writing my songs. So I you'd could fully play the committed baseball. to
0: music. I'm going to be a musician. This Absolutely. is what I want to do. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you
0: ever go to college to do anything else?
1: I went to college to be a filmmaker.
0: Yeah, and did you finish?
1: No, I did. Like, I went to L.A. Uh, actually, Valencia, California, a yeah. school called California Insti- Institute of the Arts, which um, had different kinds of animation. It was a school owned by Walt Disney. Yeah, yeah. But it had all these different, you know, theater and music and, and live action film, which was what I studied, wow. like regular filmmaking, not animation, um, not regular, but non-animated films. Yeah, 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 and. Um, I did like three semesters there and realized that I did not have the temperament to be a filmmaker. Yeah. I might have had the skills. I had a full scholarship to go. I was making Super 8 movies all the while I was doing music, and I got a full scholarship. But film people were so cruel. They were the most, well in my experience in my yeah, class. it's full on isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they would, they would do anything to get their movie made. Yeah. They were mean. Yeah. They were cutthroat, horrible people. <laughs> I, was, I hate to say, and I was terrified, because yeah, I was yeah, like yeah, yeah. 17, 18. <laughs> no, but, you no, this is, you know, I was 17 years old, or 18 years old. I was like a kid, and, there was, yeah. and I was the only female in my class. So, oh, you are so joking. So put it, so put it, so, and this was 1980. Yeah. So now would be a whole different story yeah there'd yeah. be loads of i'm just, i could bet on it that there'd be loads of women in film schools now yeah. all over the world but
0: back then and back not, then yeah. so
1: that's why it was like they were horrible to me
0: yeah. they were
1: horrible they just i didn't exist and did I you just, just walk- kind of
0: eject yourself out of that situation yeah, and, and, I, just and i thought i'm and I, gonna do music i
1: was interested in screenwriting anyway more than anything and i thought i can do this without going to film school yeah. i can be a you know in a cottage and. You know, Cape Cod or something, yeah, right? And yeah, the yeah, screenplay. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to deal with these assholes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Absolutely, like, yeah. So I just, <laughs> I was like, you know, no, film's not for not, that kind of thing. Then you moved back up to New York. Then I came to New York City and it was full time music, yeah. full on, writing songs, using the bass to do that. You know, I had this Kramer bass, I bought a bass at Manny's. Which no longer exists here in New York on oh, no, 48th oh, no, Street. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's been gone a long time. Well, I bought this bass called the Duke by Kramer, Kramer bass. So yeah. yeah. Head, like looked like a Steinberger. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I used that on my four-track demos and everything. And then, I I had a bunch of songs and I wanted to, try, you know, I was going around in New York and my music that I write is not really like kind of urban music. It's not like R and B or it's yeah. not really what they would call black music or whatever they call it. Um, and I was having trouble in this country getting people to like get it, yeah. you know. So I went to, I had an opportunity to go to England. I had a friend from college who was from London, from Finchley, Nice. and I went and h- hung out there for a while and, and took my music and there was better response for it in the UK, oh, so I ended yeah. up staying. You know, because I think in Europe and, and still to this day, I think in Europe and, and, and the UK and other parts of the world, Artists who are not white, or like, art, like a whatever, whatever, whatever your ethnic background, if it doesn't, you know, fit with a particular kind of music, it doesn't matter. Like, cause people just like the music. They don't yeah, care yeah, yeah. whether you're Indian or you're black or you're white or you're, you know, just, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's not it's a question co- about It's that, what yeah. you do. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, I love that song. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I don't care if they're whatever, aborigine. You could, could be anything. Yeah. But in the states, it was very much about how they were going to market it
0: okay yeah, and yeah, yeah. if
1: you were on the cover and then people put it on and it was you were a black woman and it was rock or it was it would be like they can't well, that's, their
0: heads would explode yeah, yeah, they would yeah. just be like <laughs> they were like I
1: oh, know and I couldn't get yeah, yeah, it yeah. you know so that's why I went to the UK and and and, and I and it was Right place at the right time. I think it was all like I kind of landed in the right spots and met the right people. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And I I started taking my music around and you know and playing with um, other bands there in the UK and playing in pubs and things like that and and eventually just met all the right people.
0: And who who (coughs) who do you think was the first kind of like. I don't want to call it a stepping stone right, because it sounds yeah. awful doesn't it but who is that first person that you met that could you know that the link to, to that yeah absolutely is yeah.
1: he is now deceased he's a very famous uh, british jazz drummer his name is john stevens
0: yeah, yeah yeah i've heard of him yeah
1: he has a son named richie stevens who's a drummer in london yeah richie is real into funk he's a great funk drummer incredible like art like funk soul drummer um John Stevens was running a program uh, called was it called the J- London Jazz Center? I think it was called the J- I, I forget the name of it now. I'm terrible. Um, but he uh, he hired me to be a part of this this uh, this. Thing he'd started. The office I think was in Covent Garden, but we—it was a group of musicians. Courtney Pine was in this.
0: Oh right, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. in the, this. Yeah, was yeah. early
1: like he was one of the people that was hired at the same time as myself, and we went around to different community centers all around London, different areas, Hackney, different, you know, and taught what John called the rhythm tree. It was like this jazz improv, and I'm not a jazz person. I was learning things about jazz. I didn't yeah. really know much about jazz. Yeah. You know. I like to listen to it, but it wasn't something I felt that I was capable of playing or knowledgeable enough to, to attempt to play very well. So John was teaching this thing, though. It was like we would go around to these centers, and we would give out instruments. We have a tambourine or a trumpet, like, we're just, like this big box full of yeah, 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 stuff yeah, to yeah. make noise with and then we would get people from the community you know young young all whoever wanted to come was was come you know came to in, this yeah. come join in and he would teach like what he called the rhythm tree and we would make these symphonies with these with the with the community a group of people by um I have to, i'm trying to remember how the rhythm tree goes basically it's learning the patterns of rhythm when you say when you do say like two against uh you know you do um
0: Oh right, yeah, two against three, and, yeah, and two yeah, against yeah. three.
1: But there was a way you build it up. Like he yeah. used to, there was a little diagram he would show, and he would give everybody like a a, a number. You're a two, or you're a six in this beat, and you're. A, and we would go around, and every time, and he would count this thing, and all the sixes would go bang on their tambourine, or make a noise on the trumpet, or yeah, just yeah. do that on the guitar. It yeah. didn't. They didn't have to have the skill. They just needed to make the sound. Yeah. So it was like this, like this, avant garde. Like <laughs> symphony of cacophony of like madness with yeah. uh, with this weird rhythm, like yeah. kind of mixed in with it. It so, all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. It, so it was making it was making something happen. But it was like it was so cool. So that was like my first job. <laughs> but what came from that? Why I say John Stevens and God rest his soul, and he was a great guy. The second thing that he got me two very special things. One was my first job with anybody. Really big, which was singing in the Charlie Watts Big Band.
0: Okay, they didn't I was to sing- do yeah, I didn't stuff, play right? yeah. We yeah, did. Yeah. I did the
1: very first shows that he ever did yeah. because John Stevens was was a friend of Charlie Watts because they were big jazz Got you.
0: Yeah.
1: drummer friends. Yeah, yeah. John was in the show as well. There were the three drummers up there, and so I was in that band as the singer because he knew I could sing as well. Yeah. Uh, I didn't play bass in it. And then he introduced me to his son, Richie. And Richie at the time had a band called Well Red with with him and another guy, another black guy in London. And they had just got this big record deal on Virgin Records. And it was kind of R&B, like funk stuff. And so he said, "You need to meet my son. We're the, we're the same age and yeah, everything." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "You should meet my son." And, and he's got this band. And then so I meet Richie, and Richie says, "We got this big showcase to do for Virgin at Ronnie's, where yeah. you play bass in that show." And then that, I played bass in that show of oh, this really funky stuff, which is not my—it's not kind of, my
0: forte. But had you kind of sort of decided that you were a bass player yet? Oh, were you just yeah. a musician? You, well,
1: no, at that point I was just a musician. I was still trying to get, yeah. get my songs done. Yeah, I was still yeah. trying you to get playing a record deal. You
0: Yeah. But bass
1: yeah. was still it was just something that I was, you know, that people were asking me to play. Yeah. It's like, again it was like it's like it was it was beyond my control at that point. It was like that's what people needed. People were still looking for that bass Yeah, it was still like the board. (laughs) So I kept it, yeah, so I just kind of kept my hand in that. I was like, okay, well, if that seems to be the thing that I can make a few, you know, a little bit of money doing, I I need to keep that bass going. But meanwhile, I'm still writing songs and playing guitar and singing and, and doing other things. So he introduces me to Richie, I do the showcase for Well Read on Virgin. All the Virgin people are at the showcase, the record labels. So they're like, "Wow, who's that woman on the bass?" You know, there were hardly any women at that time on the bass. Now there's loads, which I'm very happy about. Yay, ladies! Let's show them how to do it. but they so then they were like, oh, well, we want you know. Then they then Virgin started to hire me for sessions. That's how I got the Boy George session was my first recording session. Really, was doing oh, some it, yeah. songs on the solo record for Boy George, who Richie Stevens played drums for. Got it, yeah. So John Stevens, I I to, I credit as the very first yeah, link yeah, yeah. that took, that just sort of like, he was the domino that went. T-
0: yeah, um, and but for anybody watching this or listening to this, obviously Boy George. Was a mm-hmm. singer of Culture Club. Culture
1: Club. and this yeah. and this album I did was his first solo album. And I don't even remember if the tracks I played on even made it onto the record. That was something I learned too about the music industry. It's like when I started doing sessions on people's records, you never know if the track you played on is going to actually end up on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and sometimes at first, you know, well, for me, I would be like, oh, what happened? Was it my fault? You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. But then I grown to realize it's you know it's many factors why a record why a song doesn't end up yeah, on someone's yeah, record. Yeah. And it's nothing personal usually um so yeah so that was kind of how i started and i did that session for boy george and then after and the that, session
0: scene was there Yeah. Oh gosh. Absolutely. Oh, there was just in case for anybody like young listeners. Yes. There was a session scene. What is this session scene? You went into
1: this recording studio. You didn't go to somebody's bedroom or somebody's basement to make a record. It was like full-on studio, like where we are today, with you know pianos and drums and everything. Micro, you know, like like in the movies. Yeah. And do you think those
0: first, the first things, those first couple of gigs with Boy George and and um, and Richard? Do you think that was like your entrance into the session scene? The Virgin, obviously. Yes, yes. And then did you start playing on other people's records yes. based off
1: Virgin that? started to hire me out on their own then. They hired yeah. me to play for Donny Osmond. That was the next thing. Yeah. So I did Donny Osmond. Then um, there were some other artists that I don't remember their names because they never, they, you know, they didn't make it so yeah. big. But um, So, and then, <clears throat> and then I found this, uh, uh, I don't even know how I got that call for that, but I was recommended for this band, The Thrashing Doves, which is where this bass uh, came from. Oh, basically. really? Yeah. Yeah. I I got a, That was my first tour. So I was doing, I did the Charlie Watts, I did some stuff for Well Red, I did a bunch of stuff for artists at Virgin. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> I got a call or some kind of connection to this new band that A&M was throwing a bunch of money on. Uh, They were really, you know, had high hopes for this band. And they were great. The songs were fantastic. I still think they were great songwriters. Two brothers, uh, Ken and Brian Foreman. And they had a band called The Thrashing Doves, which I think was named after a Kerouac poem. It was the name of something from some piece of literature. And they... um, They needed a rhythm section, and they were about to do their first tour in the U.S., which was small clubs. Yeah. You know, some of them were opening for other people, but a lot of it was just small clubs. And I got hired. That was my first tour I ever did in my whole
0: life. Wow, was we, it all, super we exciting. actually did.
1: Yeah, yeah we, we opened. We did some shows in England first. We opened for Alison Moyer and we opened for Squeeze a couple of times and yeah. some things in Europe. And then we went and did our little my first bus tour, you know, on the yeah, bus yeah, in yeah, the yeah, U.S. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have, I still only had that crappy Kramer bass. Well, I won't say it's crappy. It was okay, but it had, yeah. its, had its ups it's, and downs. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so when I was doing these sessions for, for George and other people, I was hiring a, a Stingray. I would say to the studio, oh, can, really? you, can you right, hire God, me yeah. a Stingray from yeah. John Henry or wherever? Yeah. Because I knew I loved this bass. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I liked it visually. I always thought it was, a, I still think it's the coolest looking bass. Great looking bass. They look awesome, Very sexy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I wanted one of my own. I was like, I'm going on my first tour. Now I'm really a bass player. Yeah. Like, I can't, like, it's was not this just it? this. Do you like, think that was the... Well, it was, because yeah. it was something that was like this, it was a long period of time. I was doing shows every, like, like I was like, okay. I think this is where I belong yeah, yeah, like yeah. and then I start you know you start to love I started it took me a while to kind of fall in love with the instrument it wasn't yeah. like love at first sight yeah. like guitar for me was love at first sight yeah. but the bass was it had grew on me you know and uh so I ended up you know getting this bass for the tour which I bought it but they were like no we'll get it for you as a gift so got it from, yeah, so this is this bass which has been with me on every job since since the thrashing doves uh it has been on every record i've ever done uh every tour i've ever done, except for like a handful like two or three things wow. that it so just was like, yeah. pr- so it's been with me on like every journey I always bring it and and play it and it's just, it's like the one thing that's been the steady
0: companion well, <laughs> in my whole I'm life. I'm a super geek, right? Just while we've got the opportunity. Okay. And, like, w- what settings do you normally use? Because okay, I'm I, really crap when it comes to music man basses. Interesting. I'm, I've got the jazz thing down. I know mm-hmm. the jazz basses, yeah. P basses. Yeah. I always get really confused about the, Well, what do they do? They're very like, what different. do you do? They're very different. It?
1: These, this one is what they what they call, this was like an 85, 86 model, yeah. which they, ha- they told me was, uh, it's a passive bass, but it has active EQ. I don't understand much about technical things, so I don't really <laughs> know exactly what that means. Yeah. I do have a classic Stingray issue now, which is just like the three knobs, it's like very, very basic, and it, it, it is definitely not quite as bright as this one can get, or has yeah. a slightly different tone. I like, in the 80s, everything was much brighter on the bass when I first started playing So bass. your, your, like, so your EQ used choices to, have changed over the years. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I Even now that I, I actually play flat wounds actually most of the time now, but this one has always had round wounds and I yeah. just kind of keep it that way. It's just kind of luck or something. <laughs> Good luck, it's just, you know, it belongs that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I would, in the 80s, I'd have this, this pretty pretty bright um, like I'd have the bass probably full up yeah. <laughs> the mid scooped out you know yeah, for, that, you know that, that for that kind of yeah. uh, a lot of things in the 80s I played with a pick I don't have one with me or a plectrum. so it would be that real sort of you know But, yeah. but now, instantly, when I pick up any bass, treble completely off. I, I do. L- <laughs> maybe a little bit of mid. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. just if I needed to to bite a little yeah. bit, and full on
0: bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I actually, you know, we were talking about Anthony Jackson earlier, and I, I met him once at some bass fair in New York City many years ago. And we were talking in the hallway, and I think we were talking about Nathan, actually, and some other bass players. And I said something about, uh, I think we were talking about the the touch or something on the bass. And I play really, like like I don't play very hard. I work with Lenny Kravitz now and I play much harder because his thing is is very, you know, is that really, It's like you got to really like dig, and it's yeah. very, you know, it's, it's just full like, of attitude. Yeah, right? it's not the right bass for this, but um, I play a jazz bass with him because. Oh, do just, you? Yeah. Yeah, it's much more suitable to what he's doing. He's got the he wants that older retro kind of vibe, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, some yeah. some songs I can do Stingray on it, but for the most part, it's jazz or P bass. With was, him.
0: was he? Did he ask you to play jazz? Was yes. he like, "This is what I want"? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Does he? Does he? Because he like obviously he plays bass on his records sometimes. He plays drums,
1: uh, yeah. He's like yeah. he just
0: some of the engineering. Yeah. I know that has yeah. he got like a really good intuitive vibe for exactly what the sound he wants. He knows yeah, exactly yeah.
1: what he wants. He's, he's one, one of long the few. Enough, right? Yeah, he's yeah. one of the few artists that you know. And I and I was um, talking to Nick earlier. It's like, I don't mind. If people want something, I want to try and give it to them, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and all the lo- like when I'm learning something, how someone else played something or what tone they get. That's a challenge for me to find that and yeah. give it to them. And, yeah. and to me, that's just a learning experience. Doesn't mean that's the way I would play it or I want to play it. Yeah, yeah. But if it works with the song, I'm happy. Yeah. I always say serve the song get your shit out of the way and just serve the song.
0: Yeah, do the, the job, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, you know and and
1: that to me is like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy if I've achieved that at the end yeah. of the day. But I play really light, you know, and Anthony Jackson was saying to me, he said, you shouldn't be worried about that. There's a lot of bass players that have a really light touch, but they still have a big, can have a big sound. Yeah. So in general, I will have full-on bass, maybe a little bit of mid, maybe the mid is centered, Uh, And boost it a little bit if I need to. So right now I've got no treble on this The middle is kind of just just boosted over the middle like the mid-notch.
0: Yeah, and to me that's the tone And I play softly Yeah, yeah
1: just keep it round. I don't really I used to play more with nails even in the eighties. Everything was so bright then.
0: When did your when did your tone <laughs> started to change? Was it was in it over 90s. a period of time? Over a period of time. It time. wasn't sort of like you weren't like I oh, no, want a different sound. It
1: was over yeah. a period of time. And the, so- the material that I was asked to play was changing. The yeah. sound of records was changing. You know, from the 80s to the 90s, there's a very different tone that was happening with basses and yeah. guitars. And, you know, then grunge came. I was just, you know, and then I've got more pedals involved and I start having... And with Bowie, I, I had so many different variations of different pedal boards... And, and lots of different basses to cover his gamut of sounds of, of over the years of what the say, ba- like basses that have played. Yeah. You know, from like Let's Dance era, you know, which was, again, that very bright, yeah. brighter sounding bass, which I used to use my MTDs for. Yeah. And then, you know, then there's the old stuff, Hang On To Yourself, Ziggy, all that. was I would use Marilyn for that pretty much.
0: Yeah, because there's so many many different played,
1: Yeah, I, ha- I have a 59P bass, uh, and, and I got that while I was out on tour with David in the late 90s. And I did use it on some songs, but I didn't play much, many Fender, much Fender bass. It's a different feel
0: to these, isn't it? Like a P yes. bass is just a different feel. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How did the
0: hookup with David Bowie like, come about?
1: He called me on the phone out <laughs> of nowhere. As, uh,
0: yeah, as he would do. What, did, we, yeah, right. All right, Dave.
1: <laughs> I was playing with Tears for Fears at the time. Uh, it, was, it was when Roland and Kurt had had a split breakup for a short period of time. And um, uh, I had just done a tour with Roland. I had sort of take Kurt was the bass player in the band, and so I kind of took his place for a little while. And then I was going to do another solo album, which would have been my third at that time. So, and Roland was interested in producing it. So we were writing together, yeah. and I was at his house in Bath, in England. Oh,
0: really? Yeah, yeah. I was at. I was like. I love Bath.
1: I love it's beautiful. I think you down made there. it
0: when you moved to Bath. Oh, I've got this. Yeah, you know, right. It was oh, oh, very nice down My friends joke there, about when it? you moved to Bath, you made.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Who was the well, Who was the Peter Gabriel's down there? Ben Morrison. Yeah, Bach. exactly. Yeah, there I used to see them in the <laughs> restaurants when we'd go eat. Yeah. But yeah, Roland lived down there, and I think he grew up down there actually. Um, him and Kurt. And anyway, I was at his, staying at his house for like a month or something. We were just writing songs yeah. and, and playing tennis. We were both tennis freaks at the time, he had a court and I was jealous. But <laughs> so, well, we'd write songs and play tennis in the afternoon. But um, I was there working on songs and, and literally the phone rang at, at the house. His wife came over to the studio and open, you know, opened the doors and said, David Bowie just called on the phone. I was in the kitchen, you know, feeding the baby and like I nearly dropped the kid. She was like, and I was like, what? And she's like, no, he just called. He's going to call. I gave him the number. He's going to call the studio in five minutes. Oh, amazing. I was like, I, and then I thought it was a joke. I was yeah, like, somebody yeah. from, some one of my mates from London is playing yeah. a joke on me. So the f- phone rang. I went to the, pick it up. And he was like, hello, this is David Bowie. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> who really <laughs> is this? Like, And he's like, no, love, it's it's really me. And I was like what, you know, I just, it took me like about a minute. I just yeah, didn't yeah, believe yeah. it. And then I realized, God, that's him.
0: It's interesting to know that like these yeah. guys were actually still, it wasn't the management company phone. No. Yet. It was him on the phone. Well,
1: right? he's, he's a rare bird in that, in that instance because most times I get a call from someone's manager or someone, yeah. something, some, yeah. a friend of someone. Like, like, I, like Prince asked me to play guitar for him once. Guitar, oh, really? yeah. not bass, but guitar. Yeah, And Rhonda called me.
0: Oh, right, okay. Right, and she's yeah, like, yeah. we've
1: been in rehearsals, and like Prince was wondering if he, he's putting together one of his, a different group, one of his girl groups or something, and, yeah, yeah. and I said, you know, I, I'm not that good on the guitar right now, like I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm not ready to, to subject myself to yeah, yeah. <laughs> to Prince, but, um, you know, so sometimes most people, someone else calls on their yeah, behalf, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. It, I've no, over the years of knowing David Bowie, he he always called everybody if he wanted to, if he wanted you to do whether you were designing shoes for him or making sunglasses
0: or a set was in design. He got on the blower. Yeah,
1: because yeah. yeah, he call and tell you exactly what he wanted straight up. And.
0: and what was it? Was it for an album or for a tour? This
1: was for the tour with Nine Inch Nails. He was doing like a double. Just a little tour. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he, that's what he said. He I said, "He said, Where are you now?'" And I said, "Well, I'm in the studio." Um, working on a a solo album, and I don't know, you know. He said, well, this is only going to be six weeks. We're doing six weeks in the States with Nine Inch Nails, and then you can go back and finish your record. And then 20 years later, (laughs) (laughs) 20 years later, I'm still trying to
0: finish that
1: record. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, so it was just... I don't know. Yeah. Well, that, that tour just kept going, you know, six weeks came and went. And then it was like, well, we're going to, now we're going to do, now it's, you know, now it's yeah. a new album. Bowie, right? yeah, and, and, you awesome. know, and yeah. I said to Roland was like, you got to go. How can you, you, yeah, say you know can't not say yeah. no.
0: And so. he was massive at the time, wasn't it? It was like a, it was a huge deal.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, How did I it mean, feel getting the call? God, just shocking. Yeah. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I went back to New York. I had moved back to New York at that time. So when I was at, the, at Roland's house, I was kind of going back and commute, forth between, yeah. between New York and there. And um, so I went back home to New York and I just like told all my friends, I was like, I was at Roland's house and Bowie called and I'm going to do this tour. Yeah. You know, that was, I think it was in May. I'm sure I wrote it down in a journal. I hope I did. Um, do you journal? <clears throat> Sometimes. I have gaps. I wish I didn't, I've but been I trying do. To do it. I'm real but much, I do have yeah. gaps. But I have. there's a period of time where I wrote a lot. I'm trying yeah. to get back into it now. I've started yeah. it again recently. Before I'm, too, before I'm too old to remember anything, <laughs> I'm going to start <laughs> writing it down. Um, but uh, I just, you know, I was just over the moon. I, I was scared, to be honest, yeah, I, because yeah, yeah. you know, I just people like him and. Frank Zappa, or you know, they have this stigma attached to them. If you're, if you were one of their band members, you know, it's like a big deal. Yeah, so, yeah, so in yeah, my yeah, mind, yeah. I was like, I felt like, okay, I'm a decent bass player, but I'm never, like, I honestly thought in my head i'm never going to be at the level like an of the expectation that comes with it right yeah i'm yeah. never going to be at that level to play with the david bowies of the world or the elton john like like the big artists like to me they were on this level that i was never going to reach like Tears for Fears for me was amazing. That was a because that's huge. That is huge, and yeah. and actually, and was, I love Tears for Fears, I and like I love you know. them too. And I have to say that was one of the best bands I ever played with really, in my yeah, life. Yeah. That was just, and Roland was amazing. He's an amazing songwriter. He's an amazing producer. Yeah. I mean, the music, ha- the music going on in that group is just off the hook. Yeah. and I and in some ways, I lo- looking back on my life, I think that was like a like a gift because getting that gig prepared me for Bowie. If I had gone to Bowie from I don't know whatever I was doing before Tears for Fears which I don't even remember what it was, but just there was something about having just done a tour with them and an album and a bunch of videos. Yeah. I had I had gone up to this other like kind of level where yeah. I was ready to jump into the next you level. You kind of could
0: get a good feel for but the playing field. Yeah, yeah but
1: yeah. if I didn't have that education and I still, I tell Roland this to this day it's like you know like I'm I'm so grateful for the time I spent with, with that band yeah. probably more than any other in a way because it was just a, it was a turning point in my playing in my challenging of myself yeah. my ability to sing and play at the same time all these things were getting You know, I was getting prepared for what I didn't know was to come. Yeah, and so I was, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and then I jumped into that and I was terrified. I I really, you know, I had. Carlos Alomar, Reeves Gabrels, Mike Garson, all these people whose names I'd read on Bowie records for years yeah. and suddenly I'm in the room with them in rehearsal yeah. and I'm thinking, I can't, you know, I was really, I was on the verge of tears like every day, just thinking <laughs> I was going to yeah. collapse, like yeah, I was yeah. going to be asked to play something I just couldn't play.
0: Yeah. How was cha- challenging was it?
1: It was very challenging, but what, was, what made it good? was that and i think if it it was another artist it probably would have been different he was so gracious if he had had a tantrum or was like you know weird about anything like he was so easy about everything he just left you to it so the only pressure was the pressure i was putting on myself like and i think he was very clever but sometimes i think i wonder if he really does that on purpose in a way it's like it's like sometimes the best way to get a result from someone is not to like scream at them or be like you better you know but but just to just assume that they're just going to be fine and like what are you worried about just do that yeah Yeah, yeah. and so I just went back to my hotel and I had all the songs we were going to learn and I just I crammed until I fell asleep. I probably Marilyn and I were probably just lying on the bed,
0: <laughs> just passed out. And I wake
1: up and I'm like, okay, what's the next song? Were you
0: just given like for that first tour? Were you just given like? Yeah, this I'm is the to think, songs what, we're gonna what do. What did we even listen to about cassettes? Uh, we, was it?
1: We, and that first tour was the Outside album, which was this weird album. Yeah. That had this weird and it had a lot of fretless bass. I don't play fretless. I didn't even own one. I do now. Yeah. Um, in fact, a really nice MTD fretless that Michael Tobias built for me. We I went. He, he's my neighbor, so I went to the workshop and yeah, picked yeah, out yeah, the yeah, wood, the yeah. neck, everything, and then watched him build it in front of my eyes. It's beautiful bass. I do play it on, on the on the Next Day album and and some of the later Bowie tours. Yeah. It has the fret markings on it, because it, otherwise yeah, I can't. It's yeah, green. Yeah but so I had to learn you know I got my pedals together so I could recreate the fretless sound and, and all that kind of stuff were you just
0: given the cassettes to listen to cassettes
1: you're right and it was cassettes yeah. can
0: you remember when you couldn't rewind for cassette tape can you remember that And you oh, yeah to, I you still could only fast forward and you had to turn them around right. fast forward it and then turn yeah. back around yeah it yeah. was a pain wasn't yeah
1: it? yeah <laughs> I still have a cassette players in pretty much every room of my house
0: I've got bags of cassettes that I, yeah, want. I to do too. with them
1: yeah. <laughs> play them I, I, I still can't bring
0: them. myself to talk about I have set player
1: oh you've got to get one
0: come on and a (laughs) turntable
1: don't tell me you don't have a turntable I've got a turntable oh
0: good for you good okay (laughs) I'm loving the vinyl I'm loving the vinyl yeah yeah yeah
1: no I never let go of any of that stuff ever I'm I'm, I'm very old fashioned in that respect yeah no I am super sentimental
0: about it when you when you were given the cassettes, were mm-hmm. you given like was it the stems you were given so you could listen to the individual no, bass tracks? No, or was I had to figure it works, out. Yeah,
1: Lenny works. Lenny works. Lenny Kravitz works with like stems. When when we're, I'm learning new stuff from him, he, was, he has tracks where he has the bass on the left, and then the rest of the track on the right. Yeah, and so if I can put it in my laptop or whatever and make the balance you I can, can figure I can figure it out figure it and yeah. then I can put it all the way over to the left or right or whatever and then play along with it and so it I like can see track? that I'm learning it yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so that's really handy uh, but David would just give you the song you just go and I'd write out my my little bastardized charts that I yeah. write out that I can understand yeah. to follow because I was like I can't make a mistake this is David you know I've got <laughs> Thomas Alomar is over there. Like, you know, I can't, you know, I have yeah. to do this. I yeah. have to. And I would just study and study and study and be very scared and worried and study and worried. And more. And then, God, he would change the key sometimes. A lot of it was not in the original key. Right, in okay, fact, yeah. almost all of it wasn't. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was hard because yeah. I'd learn it off the record and then I'd have to figure out how to transpose it. And I would, but then I'd hope that he didn't tweak it you know, another half step up or half yeah, step down. Yeah, yeah, I'd just yeah, be yeah. praying when I got to rehearsal. Sometimes I would write a chart, three different charts for just each in, one, yeah, just yeah. in case just he was going case, to nudge gonna it up, up a little bit or nudge yeah. it down.
0: You're like, I've got you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I just studied and studied and, you know, it. I I, I just feel like he knows, he really knows who he's hiring. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed that all across the board, from like who's doing clothes or who's doing lights or whatever, he knows, he has researched what your skills are probably better than you even know what they are. Really? So he's
0: got like a full... He knows he, exactly, yeah. he's not relying on management companies to go and do it for him.
1: Oh, not like, at all, co- yeah, yeah, not yeah. at all. They have nothing to do, you know, all they do is, you know, sort out the logistics of things. They'd have nothing to do with the creativity. and I think and it's Bowie's because of the
0: single, like, kind of like a singular vision of what he wanted?
1: Oh, he knows exactly, yeah, he yeah, always yeah. knew from the ground up. Yeah. You know, from what you're going to wear to what would, would look, just everything. The full and thing, He was yeah. the, the, the ultimate artist to me, yeah, just unbelievable.
0: And how long were the rehearsals for? Did you have, like... Did you have months. a ton of time? Really?
1: Yeah, two, wow. or th- two or three months, and we and he w- he worked at a very um, uh, <clears throat> normal like kind of pace, like you you could plan your life around it and do things. He would be, we were he lived here in New York City. He yeah. wor- we worked in New York City all the time, and we would do Monday through Friday, maybe a Saturday, maybe from like ten o'clock to. Six o'clock.
0: So it wasn't like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No crazy. He would hours go home to like his
1: family. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, going home to dinner now. Dinner's on. I got to see, you <laughs> yeah. know, go see my kid, go Kids see my and wife." Stuff or, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so you know, he might come. Like we would get in, or, or, or you know, I would sometimes come in at nine, and I would program my pedals for the songs, or just yeah. test out stuff. And people bringing amps in and gear, and just, so there would be like this morning bit where we would have time. All of us would yeah. have time to noodle and screw with our gear and mess with amps and whatnot and and then he would maybe come in at about 11 30 or so and start when you guys start singing kind of
0: sort of like done your thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah was it yeah. was like a musical director for the was it kind there of, sort was, of like a, he, a guy that was like no he, had, he
1: there was a, he, he always had a musical director someone yeah. in the band had that role we yeah jerry leonard did it there was a guy named peter schwartz was the first one on the first tour i ever did um, who else was doing it? I can't remember now.
0: But there was um, always someone. But there was
1: someone sort of who, power. yeah, who would organize us, who would say, okay, this is what songs, he, David's called me last night, these are the songs he wants to do yeah, today. Yeah. So that, that one person would organize yeah. the day's rehearsal. So we knew that when he arrived, this is what he would want to sing today or work on or yeah. what, what have you. So and that, what about with Lenny
0: Kravitz? Is, is it like a similar kind of deal with Lenny?
1: No, rock and roll. <laughs> he, the music,
0: he's the musical director, no, right?
1: No, well no. Craig Craig Ross is the guitarist oh, okay. yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah, been yeah.
1: with him forever, the guy with the the hair. Yeah. But he his work ethic is very different. It's rock and roll. It's like it's eleven o'clock at night. Let's keep going. I feel like playing now. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> I'll be right there.
0: We're going home. No, it's no, a no. hang. It's a
1: hang. Yeah. It's like it could be. It could go till three in the morning. It could be an hour that day. It could be six hours. That is. It's very up in the air.
0: Yeah. And how it's did you get that gig?
1: Um, sadly. Uh, the bassist, actually, that, that I was just playing the bass line the, uh, a little while ago on the Are You Going to Go My Way. Yeah. What, he was ill. His bass player, Tony Bright, was playing bass with him, I think, mm-hmm. and he had some issues. He wasn't, he wasn't well. Yeah. And it's a very odd story because I was, uh, my mother passed away in 2011, and I was in Philadelphia, and it was the day before her funeral, the day before we put her in the ground. Yeah. And I was like, it had been a week of like she was sick, and then she finally went to sleep. You know, so I was just like stressed out. I'd just come off of a tour with Olivia Newton-John. I was like jet lag. I was in Australia, and uh, I, I'm in a Starbucks. I can remember so clearly on Walnut Street, <laughs> in Philly, and my phone rings, and it's Craig Ross, who recently I had just done an album with, an artist called Io, uh, from, yeah, yeah, from yeah, France, yeah, yeah. black woman. Craig, uh, Craig and I had just done her album in New York City, and uh, in that like October or something, and this was June, and so Craig calls. I'm like, "Hey, Craig, what's up?" You know, he's like, "We need a bass player, we're, for for Lenny. Like, we're just about to do a tour, and like, our bass player can't can't do it at the last minute, and um, we wondered if he'd be up for it." And I was like. Yeah, I'd love to. Like, you know, I'm I'm burying my mom. Yeah, know? I was gonna say can, I'll get, come up can I time, right? can I get back to you like in yeah. a couple of weeks or something? He was like, No, we need you now. Like like how soon can you get
0: here? Oh you are joking. <laughs> I'm not
1: kidding. Ugh. So it's a weird I always oh sorry. So I think about that and, and I was like, Well, let me deal with what I got. At least give me like two or three days yeah, to yeah, just yeah. deal with this and then I'll I'll get down to Miami. They were rehearsing in Miami. And so, sure enough, I buried my mom, and about three days later, I got on a plane to Miami, and I've been with them ever since.
0: And did, did, were you years. given any material to learn before you went down there? No, or?
1: I went down, and then that was like a cra- yeah. Usually, I I you know I listen to the records or whatever, yeah. but I kind of had to learn the stuff on the spot. You yeah. know, like you know, some I knew his songs. I he like, knew, the, I knew of the songs yeah, but yeah, yeah. but he really wanted them played like him, and he wanted the sounds. You know, so that was a challenge because I was I just you know obviously my head was. <laughs> just reeling from having just lost my mom but yeah absolutely, but yeah. i so i was like okay i just got to figure out this situation and it took a while and then and we went through a bunch of different bases because i brought my bases down but they weren't the right tone and then so the bass i play with lenny is a 61 jazz bass which is his it's not mine yeah we put it was purchased for me to play on the road because a lot of his really amazing basses he's got some has he, the is, old, like the has old he got full stuff g-
0: like a collection is he greedy
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, well yeah he's yeah. got a lot of guitars Bass and basses and guitar and green, and gu- oh yeah, yeah. Both. i mean just racks and racks and racks of them yeah. but the little the the old basses that he had down in the Bahamas where his studio is where he doesn't take them out on yeah, road. they're just yeah. too old and you know valuable yeah so we had to get one for me that was going to be go out the road and I still play that one it's a beautiful bass I have to say 61 one year older than me
0: oh really how wicked yeah
1: 61 jazz and it's white like yeah. that with the tortoise shell rosewood neck just spectacular tone you know, yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, they brought in about four different ones. I, I, I chose a jazz bass with him because I wanted to have the more narrow neck for more. He's got slapping stuff and stuff, which I yeah. don't do that much anymore. But <clears throat> so I, I preferred that to the P bass. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a great bass. So that's what I play with. What's him. your
0: favorite Lenny, what favorite Lenny tune?
1: Favorite Lenny tune?
0: Yeah. Just I've got it's one. actually
1: one of the slow ones. It's that song called Believe.
0: Oh yeah, it's a yeah, it's a cracking tune.
1: Oh, that's a pretty turn. tune. I um, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah.
1: am awesome. um, yours, you and me. <laughs> if you want it, you got to believe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, He's got all those great fills and.
0: It's, a, it's The like melody's cracking, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm a melody, yeah, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. Some of the funky stuff, is like, I think I enjoyed playing that more when I was younger, you know.
0: Yeah, well, the funky but stuff, it's not, yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's not, but I, I it's, it keeps me on my toes. Do you I play like Liv with play. him? No.
0: Have no, you heard we that too? have to done
1: that one. No, I don't
0: live. think Liv, go, so. go, go, go. Oh, it's good.
1: Which album is it on?
0: I've got no idea. I'm going to play it after this interview. Okay, yeah. It's really. Yeah, there's great. A, I have to say there's a <laughs> lot of
1: things of his that well, I he's don't been know. Forever, hasn't he? he's yeah, just done so much and there's stuff a new here. album coming. I haven't even heard it yet. I will soon because we're we're starting rehearsals in a few are weeks be for be the next tour. Are you going to be playing on it, tour. or are you going to be
0: doing the tour? Just doing, doing a tour. Just he just plays tour.
1: on everything. He plays bass and, and drums on all his records. Is that
0: because of his writing style that he just kind of sort of like immerse himself he in just, it for, yeah, forever? And just, yeah, yeah.
1: He works for, you know, he lo- he's a studio rat too. It's like he doesn't really like touring very much, I don't think. I mean he enjoys a good when you have a, a good night you have rat. a good
0: night. Well you <laughs> that, know yeah, yeah, no, like exactly, he'll yeah, he'll yeah, get yeah,
1: in that yeah. studio and he won't want to come out no yeah, matter what yeah, yeah. cuz he can control to the about
0: like the studio lifestyle he's oh, like yeah. it's a thing isn't it it's yeah, like a, yeah
1: Loves, it. but and then the, there's that control that he has in the studio that's hard to have live. Yeah, you have yeah. to relinquish a certain amount of that
0: control, and he hates it. it. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming cool for you next, anyway? Other than the tour, you've got your own. thing My going own on, thing. You? Well,
1: uh, yeah, that's going to be a little late. I feel really bad. I've been promising a new album for so long now, and I'm I was so close, and then I just got the call a couple of weeks ago that our rehearsals are going to start soon for Lenny, so I'm not quite ready, and that's going to take me out for at least six or seven months now. On yeah, the road yeah, and rehearsals yeah. and on the road. But when that is done, I will be right back in the studio finishing up my album. Have I'm, you actually, got a website I'm actually still finishing.
0: Can people kind of. Like, I only where have do a, find only you?
1: on Facebook. I have a Facebook. I don't have. Uh, you can go to gailandorsey.com, and as two ends with no e, um, and I, and it will take you to my Facebook page, which I post yeah. whatever I'm doing, and you can send me messages or whatever. I just started Instagram like last year, and so Instagram's
0: cool. I'm like kind of getting into it. Yeah. yeah, I haven't
1: done many posts, but it's my friends tell me you have a lot of followers for you don't ever do anything. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's all too much for me sometimes. The social media. Oh no, like, I know, I know. Me I just want to yeah. learn how to play my instrument better. I don't want to tweet. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I have nothing to say.
0: Well, I think people just take pictures of their food.
1: Yeah, well, I don't want to do that either. No, no, no,
0: no. But,
1: um, you know, every now and then I'm inspired to... But on this tour, I'm going to be really much more active on Instagram. I'm going to do it. I've made a vow to... To not be an old fuddy-duddy. Do it, do it. <laughs> no, listen,
0: it's been an absolute honour to meet you. Honestly, oh, dream like, come true for me. Likewise, my dad's Scott. a massive fan. I'm gonna oh, call cheers. him and be like, "I'm a girl I don't see. Oh, yeah, how nice. Yeah, yeah. I
1: appreciate that. It's nice to meet you too. I, you know, I, I go onto your site and I learn some things and. Don't, and and, don't. and thank you. No, I do, <laughs> and I and thank you for doing that. You know, thank you for being there for the for the bass community and just for musicians in general. Oh, thank it's,
0: you. It's thank a you. it's a
1: wonderful thing you offer. So
0: guys, Gal and Dorsey. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, thanks again for listening to this amazing podcast. Hopefully you were into that. Um, I know I really had a ton of fun interviewing Gail, and huge shout-out to Gail, obviously, for coming and hanging out with us over in New York. Next week, we will be back with another amazing guest. Oh, actually, not next week. We're doing this every two weeks now. So in two weeks' time, I'll be back with another amazing guest. And remember, if you are an Academy member, these are um we filmed all these over in new york so they they also come with amazing video and for some of them we've actually got their bands in the studio as well so you're going to hear them it's going to be a ton of fun anyway on that note take it easy and i'll see you in the shed